Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal, Spearsy. And Brad in L.A. And today we beat the heat by going back 40 years. It's our deep dive on albums from the summer of 1983. This sucks. I am so unhappy. We should be at a real beach. There are no more real beaches. I mean, we go to Jones Beach and float around in the hospital waste. Then again, Coney Island's always real nice. We could go there and watch the fish disintegrate in front of our eyes. Shit. Hey, Spearsy, instead of a straightforward 80s cruise promo, you want to do a top five list instead? Yeah, sure. That could be fun. Okay, here we go. Top five reasons why Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by the 80s cruise. Number five. They let us host trivia on the ship. Can't name all the Pac-Man ghosts. Not sure you remember where Live Aid was held? Better study up before the next cruise because Brad will flash you a disapproving look during one of our half dozen trivia sessions. Number four. It's the only way Spearsy can get his wild turkey for free. Yes, all the guests on the 80s cruise get a free drink package. So remember, booze good, skip cruise bad. Number three. When was the last time you got a selfie with Debbie Gibson or Sheena Easton or even Russell or Graham from Air Supply? All the bands mingle with the guests throughout our week at sea. Number two. What makes Spearsy cry? Yes, watch Spearsy tear up while interviewing an 80s musician. Happens pretty much like clockwork every year. Hey, you cried that one year when Terry Nunn from Berlin cried. Yeah, Terry Nunn cries, I cry. Number one. It is simply the greatest week of the year. Screw the winter holidays. Blow off spring break. That cousin's bachelor party. Except no substitutes. The 80s cruise is the OG greatest vacation ever for 80s fans. The rest are all imposters. Now, before you jump out a window, yes, the 2024 Voyage to the 80s Cruise is sold out, but you can still probably get a cabin if you join the wait list. Just go to www.the80scruise.com for more details. And use the promo code STUCK to get $200 in cabin credit. Woohoo! Now, let's get going on with the show. Hey gang, it's uh, approximately 115 degrees here in Florida. I can hear the ants crawling into the room as we speak. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> they're trying to escape the heat and the rain and the other tropical conditions here. So I thought this would be a good week to cool things down by going deep back into uh, the summer of 83. Wait, was that really 40 years ago? Oh, depression sets in. I try not to think about that so much anymore. I truly try to just focus on, uh, you know. <laughs> Isn't this our time, Mr. Hand? Let's just use our time together. You're that's, absolutely right, Steve. That's what I try to do. Um, otherwise, it just gets too depressing. So the idea here is, yeah, it's been 40 years. We all remember the summer of 83. The summer of 83, we would have been. That's driver's license summer. We just talked about this. I had a job delivering. I helped deliver newspapers 
Okay. I had to go in one day a week, Saturday night. I worked from like 10 o'clock at night till 3 in the morning or something like that. One day a week. I think I got 25 bucks cash. And we would have a break. There would be like an hour-long break every every night. Because you, you, you would show up. You start to put the newspaper together. Then you wait for the final couple sections to arrive. Like, you know, the sports and the front page and Metro. And so we would go to the nearest whatever gas station was open 24 hours. And, you know, we would get our slushies and our, our uh, Corn nuts. candy bars. Maybe and Snickers. then we'd go in the bathroom. We'd always go in the bathroom and see, like, what condoms they were selling in the machine. Oh, Steve, your life those. just makes me – you know, I thought I had a terrible <laughs> – I thought I had a terrible life. Boy. That was it. <laughs> it was the highlight. The French tickler? Really? They had one. For her pleasure? Specifically. Yep, yep. Had a little knobby <sighs> thing at the end. Oh, boy. Very, we were very perplexed by that. Yes. <laughs> I still am, to be honest. Uh, but there was some great music that summer. And so what we're going to do, Brad and I – We've each picked three albums that we enjoyed at the time. We're going to, obviously, these albums are known for particularly strong, iconic hits. But we instead are going to give you a deep cut to enjoy instead. How's that sound? Well, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> you agreed already to the podcast. <laughs> I think we already did this for albums of 83 because I was ready to go Eurythmics. I'm like, wait a minute, I just did a Eurythmics song like this. Yeah. So so to be clear, all these albums were released or at least had hits from the summer of 83. So let me get started. My first pick, Jackson Brown, the album Lawyers in Love. I just saw him in concert a few weeks ago, first time. But I've, I've, won, I've been a fan of his for a long time, probably more so as I've gotten older. And there's been a few chances I've had to see him. Sometimes he comes through and does like a solo show, just him and a guitar. This time he had a, a band. Oh, so nice. you get to hear the songs the way they were meant to be heard. And he played, I don't know, two, two and a half hours oh, wow. in Orlando. Good for him. So the way he does his sets is he has a pretty loose set lists and then he gets started with it and then as people get i don't know bored they start to yell out suggestions and he will quite often say oh okay i'll play that instead of this oh really so, so I'll just edit on the fly kind of thing yeah nice uh, lawyers in love it was his seventh album released august 2nd 1983 he didn't play any song from this album by the way that night really not, not single, even the title not track single, nope nope uh, okay but um it was number eight on the Billboard pop chart. It was his fourth straight top ten album. The big hit that you probably remember is Tender is the Night. Mm-hmm. I love Lawyers in Love. I would have I would have been happy to hear either one of those that night. I got neither. Um, it's funny. This is a weird album from his. This is kind of like his last effort to really do a pop album or to really okay. do an album that would sell. After this, he kind of goes into his anti-war, pro-environment type music. Um, 
Critics did not love it. Um, one called it a satire of upper middle class Orange County residents. Interesting. Um, one Rolling Stone critic blasted one of his anti-war messages saying that there will always be war and Jackson really can't be that stupid as to think that's not so. <laughs> that's very cynical. Very cynical. I mean, did he come in on uh did he come in on John Lennon for imagining all those things? Anyway, the song I love from this album not necessarily a deep cut. It reached number 45 on the Hot 100 and number 8 on the mainstream rock charts. This is For a Rocker. I like this song. It's an up-tempo party song. Uh, he used it as a closer in concerts in the mid-80s, and you can hear why. It's, it's a perfect closing tune. Oddly enough, despite that cheery image that the song kind of seems to promote, it's actually a tribute to James Honeyman Scott, the guitar player for the Pretenders who had died mm. in 1982 at age 25. What's your first pick? Okay, my first pick is an album that is very near and dear to my heart to this day. The Fix Reached the Beach. This is Saved by Zero. Great live band. Oh, You gotta love The Fix. You know what? I was like, wait a minute. I've never seen them. And I'm like, no, they were on the cruise. They were on the cruise the year I was sick, and I missed their set because I was in my cabin with like 103 degree fever. You saw them twice. They played at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, I have, along, you're right. I have seen them at the Hollywood Bowl. God, <laughs> I was confusing them with the uh, B fifty twos in Berlin, and they were great. They were That's fantastic. Right. God, boy, old age. It's not just for the <laughs> old people. It's for us too. Uh, this is a solid album, top to bottom. Uh, it's their second studio album. Their first, 1982's Shuttered Room, included the single "Stand or Fall." Mm. Both those albums are produced by Rupert Hine, who in in addition to doing a lot of production work, wrote the soundtrack to what classic 80s teen comedy, Steve? Rupert Hine. Um, There's skiing uh, involved. Oh, is it Better Off Dead? It's Better Off Dead, yeah. Wow. I'm looking at the name, no I'm idea. like, wait a minute, I know that name. Why do I know that name? Excellent. Yeah. That's, that's uh, some dark, deep trivia. I like that. Oh, I'm here for it, huh? So the album <laughs> cracked the top 10 in August of 83. And climbed as high as number eight that fall. But I'm going to give you another song from that other than the big hits. Let's take a listen to this. After the
that's the sign of fire. Nice. Do you remember that track, Steve? Maybe you remember it from the album. I remember it from the album because yeah. this is an album. I think this is one of the ones you had to own. I feel like that's true if you don't want to have any, you know, alternative music cred. Actually, much like yours, this is not really truly a deep cut. This was the third single from the album, and it came out late in the year. Uh, it was in the top 40 for seven weeks, which is seven more weeks than I'll ever be in the top 40, maybe. We'll see. Uh, you don't but know. It never climbed above number 32. So, oh, okay. you know, kind of yeah. lurking around the charts, just kind of having a cup of coffee. Good for you, Sign of Fire. Anyway, you haven't heard this on the radio in a long time, and The Fix haven't included it in a concert set since the before times of 2019. Wow, that's what I was going to say. I don't remember hearing this yeah. the last time I saw them. I have, God, they're always touring now. Yeah, the they way. are, which is great. I have yeah. no idea what this song is about, but I love the groove, and the bass line is just fantastic. And here's what I found out about that bass line. Their original bassist, Alfie Aegeus, Left the stir left during the studio sessions for this album, and he plays on all the other tracks, but this one. Huh. His replacement, Dan K. Brown, not to be uh, confused with the author Dan Brown, plays on this track and uh, found himself promoted to like real boy actual band member for their next album, which was 1984's Phantoms, another great album. Yeah, for sure. Wouldn't it be cool though if it was Dan Brown, the author? Wouldn't if I could be anything? I think that would be. I, I would like to be a book author and a bass player for a, so you, a legacy you, new wave band. What you want to do is basically be in the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yes. I, yes, I want to be in the Hong Kong Cavaliers. <laughs> but uh, not wearing the cowboy outfit. No, no. I mean, come on. Let's not be ridiculous here. Excuse me. Uh, is someone out there not having a good time? Oh, my. Okay, here's my next one. This has got some interesting trivia associated with it. Who remembers the album... White Feathers by Kaja Gugu. You probably remember this song anyway. Too shy. Hush, God, hush, was- I do I. Still, still on the radio all the time. At least, you know, if you listen to Sirius XM. I don't really listen to non-satellite radio anymore. Yeah, I'm either kind of self-programming through my phone or I'm bumping the buttons on my XM receiver. 70s, 80s, 90s. <laughs> you know, by the way, I'm gonna, uh, this is a complete aside, but I do use Alexa pretty much every day. In fact, I have to say it say it like in a whisper because I'm afraid you'll hear me turn on yeah so do you want me to find some of that weirdo stuff you like on the internet (laughs) no but what's funny is (laughs) um you know when when you when you want some alone time with the missus Mm -hmm. you you want Alexa to play the appropriate music the the last time I did this I asked Alexa Alexa to play um uh, best of uh Van Vangelis Sure. And also um, the soundtrack to Blade Runner. <laughs> oh, well, that's a lot of Vangelis right there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, the, the Blade Runner soundtrack, the Blade Runner score is vastly underrated for uh, romantic interludes. Mm, wow, that's and a then, pro tip right there. And then the ultimate, we closed with, uh, hey, Alexa. I don't need to know play this. The score, play the love theme to Tron. <laughs> Don't make me come over there, Spoozy. Do not make me come over there. 
I will not be mocked by the likes of you. <laughs> oh, stop. I'm getting in the mood right now. Anyway, White Feathers is the debut album by Kaja Gugu, released in April 83. Um, topped the charts in the UK, reached number five in the US. Um, most fans probably know that Kaja Gugu was fronted by Lamal, a.k.a. <laughs> Christopher Ham- Hamill. If, uh, Hamill, by the way, is... Uh, uh, or actually, I should say Lamal is actually an anagram of Hamill. That's where it comes from, in case you were curious. Okay, nice. He was actually... Some people Lamal do that sometimes, actually, you know. Yeah, uh, Lamal was fired by the group uh, over the usual tensions once the band made it big. He would, of course, go on, have his own solo career, which he still has today. He gave us never-ending story. Yes, and now you know uh, you're hearing that song in your head, even if you can't stand it. It's in there. Oh, who doesn't like never-ending story? I'm not a huge fan. Really? Yeah. Wow. Anyway, the rest of the band puttered on and off through the years, apparently broke up for the final time in 2011. White Feathers... The album was produced by Nick Rhodes. Yes, Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran. And uh, Colin Thurston, who was the Duran Duran producer at the time. I had no idea. This is the song. This is the song that I really like, though, from it. Uh, This one's called Ooh to Be Ah. Can you believe this was Kajar Gugu's second biggest hit in the UK, uh, peaking at number seven? Uh, my my head explode. <laughs> it didn't crack the top 100 in the US. Um, if you're curious what uh, Udabi Ah is all about, it's about uh, it's a simple message that the clothes you wear don't make you famous. Oh. Sometimes so. the clothes do not make the man. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Yes. Uh, critics do not... Uh, particularly love this song one called it quote-unquote bearable Ooh, high praise uh, another said quote imagine the song too shy but take away the hook and this is the song that you're <laughs> left with <Damn. laughs> it will probably be a monstrous hit but it deserves to flounder mm. ouch i like it bitter much critic man <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, these are fun albums. I, yeah. White Feathers I did not own then. I think I have it now. Uh, what's your second pick? Okay, my second one. You know what? I'm going to do the one that's going to surprise everybody second. I'm going to play you, yes, and this is actually me, not the AI construct Brad Williams that we all know and love. I'm going to play you something from Stevie Nicks' second solo album, The Wild Heart. Yeah, that's Stand Back. Attentive listeners might wonder what's going on here because yeah, no kidding. I'm talking about Stevie Nicks and I'm not swearing, uh, but I'm setting aside my personal feelings about Ms. Nicks to bring you this track that I'm going to talk about next, which is 
a duet with Tom Petty that's buried on side two of this album. And, and I think when you hear this song, if you listen to this song, it's a testament to why she wanted to join his band. They just, their voices are so good together. Like, I don't ever need to hear her other duets ever again, but I really like this duet. It's a slow burn ballad, and it's just, it's got just a little bit of country in it. Like, we're talking about the Nashville thing in the last show. It's more than what I hear in Stop Dragging My Heart Around, and I think it gives the song a nice character. I'm going to play a little bit of it right now. It's called I Will Run to You. Tom Petty and his band were not that welcoming when Stevie tried to get them to help her with Belladonna, her first album. She tried the old end around, I'll go make friends with his wife trick to make progress, and that also did not work. I don't know if you know this story, but Petty and his wife were already kind of on the rocks, and uh, Tom didn't like all the drugs that Stevie was introducing his wife to. (laughs) So, yes, Tom Petty said something along the lines of, I mean, we weren't Boy Scouts, but, you know, come on. Uh, eventually Stevie wore him down, but she never did get her wish to be in the band. Uh, but we did get this song. There was a really good documentary on Tom Petty that came out. You know, time is yeah, relative and it's like these days. 14 hours long. Yes. Yes. That's the I one. did see it. and I really enjoyed it. And there's a scene where they're ta- where Stevie Nicks is talking about working with Tom Petty and, and saying how much he wanted to join the band. And then it cuts to Tom saying, yeah, but we don't allow women in the band. I mean, basically, just kind of said, <laughs> just like full stop. No, no, no. There are no women in the Heartbreakers. So, yeah, that that was his only thing he would say on the record, anyway. Right. At least right. during the documentary. Sure. I suppose that's nicer than saying. I'm kind of pissed that you, <laughs> you <laughs> turned my my wife, wife onto, onto drugs. Cocaine. Speaking of forgetful, don't forget this album from Paul Young. Uh, no Parlay, released in July 1983, had this as a big hit. Actually, this album is full of incredible songs by him. It has Love of the Common People, Wherever I Lay My Hat, Come mm. Back and Stay. It even has Level Terrace Apart. Which I, I think most people associate with the Joy Division, but this is this this album is obviously celebrating a, a 40th anniversary. I know Paul's all over social media and he's been talking about it. You know, kind of remembering the memories of making this incredible album. It was number one on the album charts for five weeks, and remained. I think this is in the UK and remained in the top 100 for 119 weeks. Wow! That makes it's it is certifiably quadruple platinum. Nice. Platinum. He was also a really good guest for trivia. <laughs> he was a fantastic. I, I we have a photo of him hanging right behind me of him with uh, me and you. That, that was really phew, nice mean, guy. Just a nice guy. Of all you know, of all the trivia sessions we've done, that was easily one of my favorites. 
Um, obviously a lot of big hits, but I am recommending as a deep cut this tune called Broken Man. And when you hear him sing You try to turn away Or else your heart is gonna break If you break into it, I know played you the live version there because I think it's a little bit more accessible. Okay. I have looked at Paul Young's set list over the last two years. I can't find it. I don't think he's playing it anymore. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I love it. It's a good way of playing the register. That might be. It's it's much more of a, a crying, swooning ballad. Um, the lyrics are great. Uh, you know the words he's going to say. Still you sit and listen, and all those tender words can melt this strong man's heart. Yours will learn a lesson. Ugh. Hello, babe. Let me put this song on. It's called Broken Man. <laughs> Just to give you an idea where I'm coming from here, sweetheart. And then, and then after this, I'm putting on the Tron soundtrack. Oh, stop it. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. Wendy Carlos is a saint. I love. I, I'm not making fun of it. I, I seriously used it. Oh my gosh! Uh, don't anyways. you know what? I really don't need to hear that kind of stuff. You know, I got the Tron <laughs> stuff on the wall right behind me. I do not need that association. I'm just going to scrub uh, that from our mind. Yeah. Imagine when I do it the disc. Oh, just stop! Saying. Oh. Okay. What's your final pick? Okay. Steve, are you familiar with the sophomore slump? <laughs> In the album making it's, for bands? It's, it's Sophomore Slump is the name of my autobiography. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. Um, yeah. This band didn't really have a sophomore slump. They had a junior slump when you look at the numbers for their sophomore album, but you start to see the cracks when Men at Work dropped their second album in April of 1983. Cargo. Day after day, we appear. Yeah, that's Overkill, which was also accompanied on this fine disc by Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive, which I really kind of like. And It's a Mistake, which is fun. And, you know, this album was just in the top 10 all summer. But like I said, the cracks are starting to show. The band's getting burned out. You know, this is the era of you got to turn out an album every year, right? So they're turning out the stuff. Tensions are rising. They made the cover Rolling Stone in June, right? That's, That's great. However, they did a huge photo shoot, everyone in the band, and then Rolling Stone used a picture of just Colin Hay and Greg Ham, which they didn't have anything to do with that. But, you know, it's not a great look. The 
other people in the band are a little pissed off. Like, oh, why, how come you guys are friends? We're all banned. You know, you, you can kind of hear it, right? It just, yeah. It's not going great. So I'm going to play something for you that I hadn't heard in a very long time until I was doing a little digging around yesterday. I'm going to play for you a song called I Like To. I like to watch the telly with the sound turn down. Listen to the stereo turn the channels around. I like to. Sandwich with a lot Putting on everything that I've got I like to I like to It's fun, right? It's just a like a bar band rocker. Just like guys in a band having a good time. Kind of dumb, goofy lyrics. And and I mean, I know why this isn't a single. There's a long guitar solo. It starts like, it runs for two minutes almost. It kind of works its way through different things. It kind of starts slow and it builds up. And it's, it's really nice. And I mean, this song just bops right along. I'm, I'm going to put it on my running mix. It's just a great cardio workout song. <laughs> oh, wow. This is fun. No, I like... Uh... Cargo was what the album I used to put on in my 1982 Mustang and drive around, like you know, at at dusk, just cruising. Yeah, head down yeah. to Sonic, get a cherry limeade. Oh, you probably yep. didn't have those in Florida. Nope, mm. not then. We no. do now. Yeah. So that's our list. That's that's my list. Your list. That's our list. I feel like that's our time together, Mister Hand. It was a weird summer. It was a lot of um, we were, you try to search for diversity and. Wasn't it wasn't a very diverse summer? Yeah, it was white dude summer, like every summer for three hundred yeah. years before that. Trust me, we looked. We maybe we didn't look hard enough, but we were also always looking for for stories and songs that we connected with. And then there you go. I'm I'm just gonna sit here, a broken man, listening to the Tron soundtrack over and over again. Or what we could do, the, the seggies. Hey, it's TV Party Tonight. We will play a snippet of a theme song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're into the drawing for a postal-friendly bottle opener. And I know for a fact, because I have photographic proof, that Brad took a bunch of them to the post office today and sent them off. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I finally got caught up. Everyone that I have an address for, I sent them out to. Including, and this is going to be very rare, including a dispatch to Canada. And why is that going to be very rare? Because I had to fill out a customs form and pay like 3x for the postage and probably 10x what the actual bottle opener cost like look sorry people but it's just like uh, it's too much meet me at the border i'll hand it to you and walk back well maybe we'll start building a we'll do a 3d digital version of the bottle out you could 3d print your own bottle opener yeah anyway it's worth the r&d could be you know you never send me uh you rarely ever send me photos via text. I mean, I, you did it today to prove to show you the stack of boxes. St- yeah, stack of box. The only other times you normally do it is when you're smoking meat, or when I'm <laughs> insanely drunk. Um, yeah, but you obviously haven't been insanely drunk lately because I can't remember the last time I saw one of those. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah, let's work on that, shall we? <laughs> uh, in the meantime, uh, from episode 672, here was the mystery theme song. Set my way 
That's Webster. Did, I didn't watch this show. I, and I know that's what everyone was waiting for me to say. Because I never watched any of this kind of stuff back in the 80s. I'm, I'm, I'll be the world's worst 80s TV critic. That's why we don't do a TV podcast. We do a pop culture TV show. We do a pop culture podcast in which we occasionally talk about TV. Right. And also we occasionally repeat things because I think we use this as a, a clue in episode 408, which is far enough <laughs> 408? Come on. That was, that was like... It was in 2017. Like Three livers no, ago. Yeah. So don't get don't get too upset with us for using it. Four oh eight. I can't even believe you would you would say that to me. It doesn't even matter. It's it just, not even on the register. It just it's comes like, up in the search when I search for Webster in my email. It's weird because you know I do sometimes. I have been lately watching eighties television on on YouTube. But you know what I'm watching, and I'm, I I would be embarrassed to say it, but nothing really embarrasses me anymore. I've been watching the Winds of War, the miniseries. Okay. And it's got uh, Robert Mitchum. Oh, John Houseman's in it too. So it is. It's it's on YouTube without any commercials, or maybe there'd be like one commercial per episode. That's not bad. Episodes are like two and a half hours long. So getting your money's worth there. Yeah, because it's basically World War II as seen from the eighties. It's supposed to be a romance thing, but I I don't. Not detecting a whole lot of romance. Anyway, (laughs) we got some winners. Why don't you read them before I shame myself with some other bit of unnecessary trivia? We sure did. Here we go. Winners this week include Michelle O'Brien, Mary Beth in Madison, Ohio, Alejandro Sticks, Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico, who I hope is not underwater. Hope that hurricane didn't do you in down there, Alejandro. Ew. Dave Estel, John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Alan Titus, Brian in San Francisco, Brock in North Dakota, Matt D in Tennessee, Peter in Munich, Sir David of the Dirt, and Nate Chops Johnson. We had a virtual drive-in theater last night. We sure did. We watched just one of the guys, and Nate was there. Yeah. Good to see him. Boom, boom. Dave Dirt form. was there. Dave Dirt was there as well. That's true. He came in late and was nonplussed that he missed the trailers. But hey, man, the projection starts on time at the Brad Williams <laughs> virtual drive-in. I do love the trailers. What were they? There was well, Fletch was one. Uh, Fletch and A View to a Kill. Oh, that's right. And then... By popular demand at the end of the screening, we were chatting and people were saying, I need to email Dr. Demento and ask him to be on the podcast. (laughs) Which I did. I I did send an email to Dr. Demento last night to see if he'd be on the show. So we'll see what happens. Uh, In the meantime, Brad, spin the wheel. Let's find out who takes home the bottle opener. Okay, here we go. Nicely done. No cardio mix needed. Uh, looks like it's going to land on Mary Beth in Madison, Ohio. Excellent. Okay, Mary Beth, send us your uh, snail mail address. We'll and, shoot you uh, out a bottle opener. Ba-ching. Be patient, because Brad's about to go on the world's longest vacation. Yeah. Maybe not world's longest, but a long <laughs> vacation nonetheless. I guess I'm on the world's longest vacation right uh, now. It's not really a vacation, <laughs> is it? <laughs> no. It's been... It's been a month and two days. Ooh. And if you think we're going to do a take this job and shove it this episode, you are wrong. <laughs> anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's Mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. 
I like the way that came out. Mm, crisp. <laughs> like, like a 7-Up. And tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. It's a moral imperative. Ah, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. We got some really nice emails lately. I've really enjoyed reading them. This is a letter from Jonathan from Lake Worth, Florida. Actually, he and I emailed back and forth about 10 times after this email. Oh, yeah? More about that later. Okay. Uh, Brad, why don't you do the honors? Okay, here we go. Jonathan writes, Hey, guys. I was catching up on some of the podcasts I miss and just listened to the late 2022 episode with the author of the book about 30 lessons learned from 1980s films. Great episode, and I love that you guys brought up the 1980s cult classic, Three O'Clock High. You guys mentioned Buddy Ravel, played by Richard Tyson, as one of the best bullies of the 80s. I would argue that he wasn't actually a bully. He was menacing, scary, tough, and a badass, but I'm not sure he was really a bully. To me, a bully picks on, attacks others for the attention, and because they get fun and or pleasure out of it. To me... The real bullies of the 1980s films are Chet from Weird Science, Greg Tolan, played by the inimitable William Zabka, also known as Billy Zabka, from Just One of the Guys, Zabka again as Johnny Lawrence from The Karate Kid, Ace Merrill, as played by Kiefer Sutherland from Stand By Me, Mm. Scut Farkas, played by Zach Ward from A Christmas Story, and Quint, played by Court McCown from Can't Buy Me Love. I'm I'm tempted to add the Duke brothers to this. The Duke brothers. No, I think I think he's he's going to make a point here, and I think the oh, should I let him Duke make a brothers, point? Okay, yeah, make let him make his point. Okay, I'll let you make a point, and then we'll discuss this on perhaps on a future episode. You can even make a case that Duncan, in some kind of wonderful, was a bully. Just because we end up liking him by the end of the film, he definitely was a bully early in the film. He attacked Watson Keith early. Because he got off on it. Some other characters are actually mislabeled as bullies. For instance, while Billy Zabka was a bully in the two films I listed above, his character in Back to School wasn't so much a bully as he was just an asshole, self-loving, asshole, self-loving prick. Okay, fair. Same goes for Craig Sheffer, Hardy Jens, in Some Kind of Wonderful, and James Spader as Steph in Pretty in Pink. Definitely elitist assholes, but maybe not bullies. You can make a case, however, that Kate Vernon, Benny Hansen, in Pretty in Pink was a bully as she got off making Molly Ringwald's character feel like crap. Well, that's all for now. Keep up the good work. I enjoy listening to the podcast while I drive to work every day. I may be a high school U.S. history teacher nowadays, but I am forever stuck in the 80s. Sincerely, Jonathan from Lake Worth, Florida. I like this idea. I like the idea of maybe, I, in fact, I, I wrote him back and I said, this wouldn't be the worst idea for either a single episode podcast or a a new Seggy. <laughs> we just have to come up with a name for it. Yeah, so. I'm not in a big hurry to do another uh, March Madness tournament, but that'd be a fun angle too. Sure. Although I think a lot, of these, a lot of these characters were in our best movie villain bracket. Yes. Villains, I think, is a good catch-all term. Yeah. But, I mean... There's, I, I agree. There's such a thing like you can you can be a bully. Um, if you're a bully, you're also probably an asshole. But you could but be not an all asshole assholes without being a bully. A bully, you know. So fair. Something to think about. <laughs> anyway, we love your emails. Send them to 
podcast at sit80s.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Feeling seven up, I'm feeling seven up. Sharing styles, sharing smiles, feeling seven up. It's a crisp, refreshing feeling, crystal clear and light. America's turning seven up, and it sure feels right. Feeling lucky, seven, seven. back hey steve you're not gonna believe what happened with me and ricky wild ricky wild is the brother of kim wild yeah you remember on the show i yeah, talked yeah, yeah. about meeting on the, him on, on the cruise yeah he came okay, up to me okay. as got the bus so i recorded a short little voiceover piece for him and he used it in a song that just came out it's like this synth pop song that's the debut single off his new album with this other artist named nina not Nina Blackwood and not 99 Love Balloons, Nina. Another Nina. Let's hear it. Just another beautiful night in L.A. You think love is in the air? Check the sand. The moon is full of that run and running. Live in the green. Oh my god, that's so cool. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Steve, this is all your fault. None of these interesting things happen to me if I'm not on this podcast, so thanks for giving me my <laughs> shot, man. How how did you do that? I mean, he gave he gave you the lines. You just recorded it on what, like on your home computer? Yeah, I recorded it using what I used to record podcasts. I just he sent me a he sent me a little script, and he said, "Just come up with some stuff if you want to, and I'll tell you, listeners, I'll tell you a secret. You can't ever tell Ricky this because I don't want him to find out." I didn't even listen to the track before I came up with some ideas, and just oh. I sent him two or three things. I'm like, oh, "This one's this is you know I, like this is the one you wrote. I just did it the way you wrote it." Here's one with a couple of changes, and here's one that's completely different. And the one that is the completely different one is the one he ended up using. Oh wow! So something yeah. that so you kind of added your own wording to it. Yeah, I kind of gave it some you know the name of the song "L.A. Dreaming," and so I gave it a little L.A. flair. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, that's it's fun. a real catchy song. It is. It is. It's kind of buried in my brain right now. So what's it called? It's called. It's called "L.A. Dreaming." By Ricky Wild. Ricky Wild. You can find it on. You can find it on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, wherever you find music. Yeah, and you met this guy like as we were getting on the boat the very first day of the last cruise. Yeah, he walked up to me as we got off the bus and was like, "Are you a musician? No. Are you a singer? No." (laughs) Like, who is this guy? And I tell him, you know, we're you know, I'm with the podcast. We host the trivia on the boat. He's like, "Oh well, my name's Ricky Wild. I'm Kim's brother." You know, just like one thing led to another. Just nicest guy. That should be that should have been reason number one why you should go on this crazy cruise. story. You just never know what kind of weird doors are going to open for you to walk through. So thank you for thank you for leading me to this wild journey, Mister Spearsy, sir. Yeah, hey, and thank you for listening to our journey through the summer of 1983. If you've got some special memories of that summer, email us as well. We'd love to hear it. But in the meantime, Brad and I, along with Ricky Wild, we're here hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. 
Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Yeah.